Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. Like always, I'd like to mention that it's our privilege to open the scriptures, the Bible, and to learn and to apply in our life. We are talking about the present truth in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And today, it's a beautiful uh, study, the everlasting covenant. I would like to welcome our panel today. Good to have you with us, Ligia. I'm very glad to be part of the Bible study. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. And thank you, Will, for joining us. Thank you for the invitation, uh, Nick, and it's always a privilege. Joe, good to have you with us. Glad to be here. It's always a delight. Thank you, Nick. And uh, Brenton, it's uh, a pleasure to have you with us again from down south, from Mount Gambier. Now, you are also going to facilitate this program. Thank you for working on it, putting it together. Thank you, Nick. It's an absolute privilege, as the others have said, to be able to share God's word with people. And just for those who will be listening uh, down here in the southeast, it, the sun is shining and the sky is blue. So for those of you who may be in other parts of Australia or South Australia where it's raining and wet, for once the weather down here is good. So we are looking forward to the sunshine of God's love <laughs> as we study his word together today. Brenton, just before we moving uh, on, um, I would like you to just put a bit of a plug uh, there for a program which you run at your um, church. Happy to do it. For those of our listeners who may be in the southeast region, there is a very special Saturday program coming up this Saturday, the 16th of October at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in um, Mount Gambia at 3 p.m. It is a service uh, to be taken by Marsha William. Marsha is a qualified psychologist. Uh, She's uh, got doctorates in several areas. She's also a very accomplished singer, and she is going to be presenting a concert uh, where she shares her personal testimony, Nick, uh, with those who come along of her journey through, um, shall we say, dark periods of her life. And I reckon most people today would be able to identify with that, given what we've gone through with COVID-19. You are very, very welcome to attend the the Seventh-day Adventist Church at 3pm on Sabbath in Sutton Town Road. Uh, We will be taking up an offering for the work of ADRA during that particular concert. It's 3 p.m. on Sabbath, and we would love to see as many of you from our community who are able to, to get along to this concert, because I believe her personal testimony is very powerful. And along with shared music uh, by various uh, um, artists, I think we're in for a real treat, Nick, and we'd like as many people as possible to be able to attend. Thank you, Brenton, and I'll support that. Uh, I know Marsha... Yeah, well enough. And uh, I did some programs with her. She's a, a great uh, singer, but also, yeah, she had a lots of things to share. Thank you for that. Brenton, let's start uh, today's um, uh, study. And it's over to you. Please take us through. Thank you. Our study today is entitled The Everlasting Covenant. The word covenant is mentioned many times in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, when you go to the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation 14, verse 7, it talks about the everlasting gospel. Now, the term gospel and covenant, in a a sense, are interchangeable. 
Uh, we're going to have a look at that t- during our study time today. But before we do anything, we really do need the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we open the inspired word of God. And as we not only read the text, but exegete them, in other words, explain them and uh, apply lessons from them. So I'm wondering, Will, if you could pray for us before we begin our study for today. Certainly. Dear Lord, we want to take it seriously that the God of heaven, the Almighty, wishes to establish a covenant of peace, promise and prosperity with us. Yes, with us as undeserving as humanity finds itself today. Grant that we may enter humbly and gratefully into the pledge that you make for us, and we thank you for it in the deserving name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Will. The term everlasting is an interesting one uh, because most of us are aware that everything in life that we know of is finite. It has a beginning and it has an end. So in looking at this uh, subject of the everlasting covenant, one would have to say that this covenant was established between God the Father and and Christ before the world began. And the Bible backs that up uh, very strongly that that's um, Paul talks about the uh, covenant that was in place before the world began. But I, I just want to read you a little segment that talked about when the covenant began to be put into place And that was when man sinned. We find the record of that in Genesis chapter 3, but we're not going to look at that today. I just want to read this statement for you, and then uh, I will ask, um, have a look at another statement that uh, backs that up a little bit. It says this. The statement is an interesting one. Sorrow filled heaven. As it was realized that man was lost and that this world, which God had created, was to be filled with mortals doomed to misery, wickedness, and death. I think we would all agree that we're going through some of that at the moment, panel. The whole family of Adam must die. Jesus said to the angels he would, by his death, save many, that the life of an angel could not pay the debt. His life alone could be accepted of his father as a ransom for man. With a holy sadness, Jesus comforted and cheered the angels and informed them that hereafter those whom he should redeem would be with him and that by his death he should ransom many and destroy him who had the power of death. There in that uh, brief statement you have, shall we say, the the, um, everlasting covenant or the everlasting plan of salvation, whatever term you want to use for it, Here is Christ talking to the angels in heaven who did not fall and talking to them about man's fall, Adam and Eve's fall, and what was going to be done about the issue. It may sound strange to many that uh, you've read that uh, Jesus had pledged that he would save or ransom men. Yes, I did say that, yes. Um, We do not believe that he was uh, to save all. Well, I think it's conditional, isn't it? We must yes. realize that while he wishes, as First Peter uh, 3 tells us, to save the entire world, he will only save some. And because they do not, uh, they do not acknowledge uh, in faith that sacrifice. Uh, Will, that's a very good comment. Does anyone else have a comment on that? 
because we do have, don't we, in our world, even in the religious world, there are bodies of opinion that state that when Christ died on the cross, all mankind was saved. In a sense, that is so. Uh, Christ's sacrifice on Calvary was sufficient for the saving of all mankind, but it depends on whether a person chooses to accept that sacrifice on their behalf. Just on that one, while you just mentioned that, Brenton, uh, about uh, the cross, it's true that salvation uh, come to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, but what would you say? You, uh, because there are even two thieves on uh, each side of Jesus, and the people generally know that one of them um, gave his life to Jesus, and Jesus confirmed yes. that, that yes. he will be with him, uh, but didn't say anything about the other one, that uh, he will good be point, with, Nick. with him. That's a good, that's a good point. You know, it's very simple, simple thing. You know, people uh, can have those ideas and the tradition of man uh, being so much uh, implanted, if you like, in our whole being that we believe things which the Bible never uh, supported. Yeah, that's true. That is a very good point. Let me read this comment to you before we have a look at our first text for today. All through the Bible, the covenant and the gospel appear together. Though the idea of covenant existed before the nation of Israel, in brackets, for example, the Noahic covenant, in other words, the covenant with Noah, and though the covenant promise was made before the nation of Israel existed, it was expressed prominently through God's interaction with his people, starting with their fathers, the patriarchs. Now, the patriarchs, whenever you think of the word patriarch, I think, panel, most of us would immediately start thinking, we would probably start at Abraham, wouldn't we? Mm. So I'm going to ask, um, Will, if you would share Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3 with us, which is the first recorded example of Christ actually speaking in the words that Christ actually said to Abram all those years ago, when the covenant um, as we know it, as New Testament Christians, was um, first espoused by God. I wondered if you could share those verses with us, Will, and perhaps comment on them briefly and any other uh, panel members as well. Thank you. Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I think, uh, Brenton, that this, this, this portion of scripture and the uh, promise of Abraham or the promise of God to Abraham has some very interesting clauses. First yes. of all, he says, I will make you into a great nation. That's promise number one, great nation. And I will bless you. That's uh, Will, how, can I interrupt Will for a minute? How many children did Abram have at this stage? Oh, as the sand of the sea and as the stars of heaven. <laughs> well, he didn't have any, did he? No, he didn't have any. That's right. Anyway, as, as you were saying, <laughs> I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And then the third promise is, I will make your name great. And then fourthly, you will be a blessing. And then fifthly, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And then the fifth, the sixth blessing, all peoples on earth 
will be blessed through you. Wow, there's a lot encapsulated in that one text. There is. Thank you. Joe, can you name me um, quickly? Um, I know we discussed this on a previous panel when we were talking about the Jews. How many major world religions trace their roots back to Abraham? Well, there's, I know of Islam. Yes. Um, there's a number of them that actually trace their origins with um, Abraham. There's Absolutely. the Jews, there's Islam, there's Christians, because we are yes. the spiritual children of Abraham. Yeah. So um, did God fulfill his promise here, what Will was reading to us? He did, didn't he? When he said all, all peoples on the earth would be blessed. Because if you look at Christianity, you look at the Judaism and you look at uh, Islam, you have covered a very large proportion of the world who are religious. Not all of them, but a large proportion. I think that um, what was meant by that was that it was the reason it was blessed was because of Christ. Now, yes. we know that some of these religions don't believe in Christ as their saviour. So I guess in that sense, the blessing, their origins may go back to um, Abraham, but they don't have the promise of Abraham because they don't believe in Christ as their saviour. Uh, very good point, Joe. Um, could it, would it be true to say they don't have the faith of Abraham? Perhaps. And perhaps yeah. the obedience. And perhaps okay. the obedience of Abraham. Yes, perhaps that. Nick, you had a thought for it. Yes, I mean, just uh, to remind uh, our listeners again, if you join us maybe a bit later, we are talking today about the um, everlasting covenant. And yes. the general you know, uh, topic uh, is uh, the present truth, present truth in the book of Deuteronomy. And you think, what's that, what that has to do with us today? You know, uh, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, when we are the Christians of the New Testament, many will say that. But you see how relevant is everything in the Old Testament. And even now, starting to talk from Genesis, you know, yes, and uh, Exodus and all those things that Everything what God said is so relevant for us today because we are part of the big picture. You know, we are are not just cut out, you know, and say, okay, that is for the Jews or this is for the Christians. No, the word of God is for us all. And interesting enough that you mentioned already here about the covenant and laws and stuff like that and grace and gospel, all this uh, Concepts, we can find them in the Old Testament and right in the beginning, you know, of the, the writings of the Bible. We can make that. And I true. think this is very important to realize that, to be able to connect, you know, your beliefs, your understandings, you know, and not to be sidetracked to say so yes. just by some of the teachings of men in regard to some portions of the Bible. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead, Joe. I think it's that wasn't the only time um, that God promised to make a great nation out of Abraham and his descendants. True. Um, it's, yeah. repeated, it's repeated a number of times, and there's three that come to mind specifically, one that Will read, but then Genesis 18, 18 and 19. Yes. Can you Genesis, share it with us? Well, in, in Genesis 18, he says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. 
For I know that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. So we go from no conditions, if you like, to I know that he will do justice and judgment. Yes. That God may bring upon Abraham all that he had promised. And then in Genesis twenty two eighteen, as he goes on to say, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Ah, and, right. Yes. yes. So we have this, we have this um, gradual um, sort of development of that idea. Um, while God's gifts are unconditional, I guess the, the receiver recognizes God's goodness and obeys God's commandments. And that's not why God gives these gifts, but it's almost uh, cyclical, isn't it? Cycle, it's like yes. a certain. Um, so God, you know, the receiver of uh, receiver's obedience is not the reason that God gives them gifts, which he would have given anyway, but it's yes. a response to God. And so we have this progression through Genesis as we begin to understand that becoming a great nation, being a blessing is being obedient to God because there's no other way. Yeah. If yeah. we don't follow God's way, then we cannot yeah. be a blessing. Joe, that's, uh, that's a really good thought. And the, the interesting thing is as we study the covenant, particularly with Abraham, is to see the maturity in the development of his relationship with God. It and starts, understanding. Yeah. It starts out with the I will. Remember what Will read earlier on? Will, you read, I will make you a great nation. I will. Everything that is stated in Gen- Genesis 12, 1 to 3 comes from God. He's the one making the promises. He's the one saying that he will do these things. But Abraham demonstrated his faith in that by his obedience. Did you have any further thoughts, Will, on that before we get you to read John eight fifty eight to see how... Um, the promises made to Abraham were fulfilled in Christ. Well, the fact that he is inviting somebody undeserving, somebody puning, just somebody out there, yes, to become uh, so blessed, is actually a hope to me and to you, to everyone, that God can uh, can see in somebody a potential and yes. promise them a great future. You yeah. know, John eight fifty eight says, "Verily." Uh, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus Christ uh, fulfilled all that he saw in vision. Yeah, that's Sorry, true. That, that, um, that Abraham saw in vision. Yeah. And it's good news for us today in 2021. Let me just say, um, Brenton, that uh, Paul comments in Galatians 3 verse 6, and so also Abraham believed God and what was credited to him as righteousness. He he left his country, he left his father's house, and he moved out into the unknown, and of course became that uh, nation that God promised because of faith and obedience. Yeah, thank you, Will. Any other thoughts on that Galatians 3, 6, 1? What about the crediting, uh, Lydia, or was it Nick that had it? I would like to to say that I, I observed that God's promise of making all nations on earth to be blessed and be his people are conditioned. So it's a blessing conditioned by the obedience. Yes. So many times as if you obey me, if you 
keep my commandments, if you'll be obedient to me. So God wanted to have his own people and he renewed his covenant so many times and remembered them, his commandments again many times because covenant, God's covenant with people, it means God's relationship with his people. God loved his people. He wanted to have a relationship with people, but on the, on the condition to be obedient to God. Yeah, true. Nick, why Lydia just mentioned there about uh, that we are God's special people? Uh, this is very interesting to just ponder a, a moment on this one, because people may, may think, oh, what do you think? Is that uh, exclusivism there or something like that? But you may think of the um, expression that we are a spectacle or something like that to the whole world. Why is that? Because God wants to reveal his plan of salvation and his love through us, human beings, sinners, to the rest of the world, but sinners who gave ourselves to him, who allow him to work in us and through us um, to show that great love and mercy of God. And that's why I think it's a privilege to uh, acknowledge and to, to recognize that we are God's chosen people. And who are God's chosen people? That can be you. Anyone listening can. there, you can yeah. be God's people if you accept his guidance. Yeah. Nick, we're going to touch on that a bit later when we look at the text that says, if you were Christ, then you were Abraham's seed. Um, Joe, you had a further thought for us. Yes. Uh, sometimes um, Christians think that conditions were only in the Old Testament, but I'd like to draw our attention perhaps to 2 Timothy 2.10, where it says, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Deny us, yes. You know, sometimes we think, oh, the conditions, conditions are only for, you know, Israel, only for the Old Testament. There aren't any conditions. While it's true that we cannot ever be good enough to save ourselves or to earn our salvation, it is a gift of God. It says plainly here that if we deny him, I guess how we deny him is another discussion in itself. Yes. But it's food for thought. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. It's a good thought. Just to summarise then our first question, how did Abraham demonstrate his belief that Will read at Galatians 3.6? Well, first of all, he left his own country. But it's interesting, he did know where he, it says he did not know where he was going. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 11, you'll find that he was on his way to Canaan. But what I found interesting was right through his life, the maturity, the development of the covenant between God and Abraham was revealed, I believe, probably at its greatest when he was asked to offer his son as a sacrifice. And I'm looking at Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Notice that the writer of Hebrews, who we believe was Paul, is actually stating that as far as God was concerned, he had offered his son even though physically he didn't kill him, the fact that he was willing to do it in God's eyes indicated that um, it was what we would call, 
I think it's called a perfect presence. And he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now, where do we find that in scripture? John chapter three, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Can you see the progression here? He leaves his country. This is years later. It's certainly more than 25 years later that God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice. So you can see the development of the maturity in the relationship, the covenantal relationship between God and between Abraham here. Moving on to the next question, and Nick, you'll be happy to know we're getting into the book of Deuteronomy now. Yes. <laughs> we, we were always heading that way. Joe is going to share with us Deuteronomy 9, verse 4 to 6, and, uh, and comment on it briefly. Thank you, Joe. Sometimes uh, it's tempting before you read that, Joe, to think that we are God's people. It's almost as though we sometimes can have the view of entitlement. We hear the term entitlement these days. We're God's people, so we're entitled. Now, Moses puts a very definite damper on what Joe's about to read when he's talking to the generation that is about to enter the land of Canaan. Thanks, Joe. Yes, it's very easy to get a sense of entitlement and to take God for granted. I guess the answer to some of these uh, thoughts uh, comes to us from um, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 and up to 5 and 6, I think. It goes, yes. do not say in your heart after the Lord God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, whereas it was because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. Firstly, I would say that we as humans are inclined to ascribe when things go well to our own abilities, our own savvy, our own goodness, good fortune. But when things don't go so well, we have a tendency to blame others and shift um, the responsibility of the consequences from ourselves to others, even as in Adam's case, he blamed God. And secondly, there comes a time when God intervenes. Now, he would not be God if he didn't step in when enough was enough. In fact, he it says here that it wasn't because of Israel's righteousness, but because of these people's wickedness. So there's a time when God says enough is enough. Um, in fact, he is expected to. We often hear people say, well, if there is a loving God, why do these things happen? Why does evil persist and uh, guilty people, sometimes people who have done horrendous things, Amen. Um, get away with it? So there is an expectation that God, if he is God, will intervene and draw a line in the sand. You know, hitherto shalt thou come and no further. Yeah. Now, this is also portrayed in uh, Genesis fifteen sixteen, yeah. where it says, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. This is when God was speaking to Abraham. Yes. For the yeah. sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now, this gives us a concept of probation, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes. A concept that we are familiar with in law. Now, mm. we touched on some of this in, when we studied Nineveh. 
their destruction will stay due to a genuine repentance. But Brenton, and when they return to their evil, inhuman ways, we know that the sentence was carried, about, carried out eventually. Yes. yes, it was. So we may say that it is in itself is inhuman, you know, that God should yes. um, destroy Nineveh, but I guess we would also have been inhuman to allow them to go on doing the things that they were doing. Yeah, that, so that's, that, a, that's a good thought, Joe, uh, because often people question this, don't they? Um, yes. I think we touched on this last week where you'll get people who say, oh, the Old Testament. Oh, have you ever read the Old Testament? We had genocide. We had people being wiped out. We had men, women, children, animals all being destroyed. What sort of God was that? And then on the other side of the coin, you find today when things are going bad, you find people making the comment, where's your God? What's he doing about the problem? Why is he letting the situation deteriorate to the extent that it's deteriorated? These are These are some of the questions that... I think off air last week we talked about some of these things, guys, and um, I one day I believe we need to ask God some of these questions because he yeah, alone yeah. knows the reasons. Well, we expect that dictators and perpetrators of war crimes. Yeah, you um, expect they that. Would, they would expect that, you know, we would expect that they would face the consequences, you know. Um, so then why do we question God when he limits the suffering of nations that are inflicting um, horrible things on nations on that are people themselves, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And we know that they weren't all nice people because with the antediluvians, you know, what did God say about them? He said that um, every intention of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Continually, so, yes. yes. So you can imagine the state of the world then. Exactly. Um, Lydia, you had a comment and then Will. Yes, just to add here whatever to whatever Joe uh, mentioned that was very important. We observe here that it's, it's repeating three times here and in other places quite another, ma- many other times. Thought, Lydia, three times not, means what? Three but, times generally means emphasis, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, and keep going. Yeah. yeah, just to, for the people to understand that was not because of Israel's righteousness but it was because of his covenant of grace given to his future generations. And we can apply this in our own lives now as we live now. As much as we want to work to do good deeds for God, it's not because of our righteousness, because our righteousness is equal zero. Yes. Nothing, but it's because God's grace and love towards us. Yeah, good thought. I believe, yeah, we need to to be very clear on this, that um, when we look into the Bible, Seventh-day Adventist people, actually, they are known as people of the book uh, because we give the same uh, importance to any part of the Bible. And what I would like to stress out here is that the Old Testament, with all the graphic you know, language and all, all the things there. It, it you know. was pretty graphic, Nick. Yeah. Uh, that was Brenton that, and, and panel and anyone. That was for us to learn from their experiences and maybe not to repeat those horrible things they did. Yeah. But unfortunately, as it goes, that we are not learning the lesson from the past and we're repeating Pretty much the same, the same things. Yeah. And God is going to deal with humanity 
again, as maybe dealt with um, with them in the past when God yeah. even regretted. And we may come to this uh, uh, just a little bit later to to talk a little bit how God approached yeah. even His chosen ones, talking yeah. here about uh, Israel. Nick, that's a good thought. We'll come to Will in just a second. I just wanted to comment briefly on what you said there, Nick. When God judges, and Joe, you touched on it as well when you mentioned Nineveh, I believe God judges according to the light or the knowledge that a person, a nation, or a group of people actually have. Nineveh didn't have really much in the way of information. They they got uh, Jonah telling them that in 40 days they were going to be destroyed, and they um, they turned around, at least for the time being, and, and changed. But you reflect for a minute on the woes that Christ said in Matthew 23 towards the Jewish leaders, and they sinned in the full light of everything that God had been able to give them from the time of Abraham up until then. Here they had the Son of God, the Messiah, amongst them, and they were rejecting him. And therefore their judgment was much more severe, in a sense, than uh, what came upon Nineveh because they had so much greater light. Will, did you have any thoughts for us on this? I think uh, we've spoken about exclusivity and spiritual arrogance. Yes. Uh, yes to, avoid, to avoid that sense of exclusivity or spiritual arrogance, this covenant people we're talking about today is really an undeserving nation too. Right. Let's not forget that in these texts we have read, God says, that you are a hard-necked people. So he, <laughs> Stiff-necked, wasn't it? <laughs> Stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. So he's not dealing with perfect people out there. I, I count it a privilege to be part of God's great cause despite of who I am. But by faith, I can claim his promise and he can make part, he can put me into his covenant and give me all the promises that he gave through Abraham. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Isn't that something that we should appropriate, Will, today in 2021? Appropriate the promises rather than just read them and say, yeah, 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 we know all that. Um, surely it's more important to actually appropriate their promises. By appropriation, I mean apply them, apply them to our lives. How do they help us in our everyday walk with the Lord? Moving on, Lydia, God made certain statements to Moses prior, note this, prior to the Ten Commandments being given on Sinai. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, God reveals to Moses exactly what he wishes, the type of relationship he wishes to have with Israel. I wonder if you could share those uh, promises with us from Exodus 19, 5 and 6 and maybe comment on it because uh, we all know, unfortunately, the history of Israel. And Nick, you touched on the fact that uh, even today we can be guilty of the same things they were. Thanks, Lydia. If you could share those um, texts with us and maybe comment on them for us, please. I will read um, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So uh, God was telling Moses to tell this word to the nation. So again, God is renewing his covenant with his people, Israelites, but on on the condition again, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the all nations, I will choose you to be my ambassadors, to be my people, to show other nations that you know me, that you love me and you serve me and you obey me. So it is very interesting that, again, I can apply these promises to myself and to ourselves as as God's nations in our days, as we live in in, in our times. So if we want to be God's people, then we have to obey him fully and keep his commandments. Mm. Very important. Because God is holy. And he wants his people to be holy. Because of that, he's asking them to obey me fully and keep my commandments. This is a relationship like a, it's a family relationship. As a, as an earthly father is teaching his children, God wants us that relationship as a father and children and teach us and have a, a stronger relationship as a family. Yes. And the whole relationship, Lydia, is based on what? Love. Love, yes. It's not. It's not blind obedience. It's love. No, God is not forcing. God yeah. is uh, putting in place, and He's inviting people. He's not forcing. He's not a yeah. forcing God. Yeah. He's a loving Go, um, Lydia, can you read verse four for us of the same chapter before I get Nick to read something further for us? Uh, it says, "You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt." And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. It means God reminds Israelites that you have seen my hand on you, that I was helping you. I was uh, carrying you. I was protecting you day and night. And every step of the way, when since I brought you out of Egypt and all the signs that I made in Egypt with uh, the Pharaoh, uh, and uh, everything that I did, you have seen it with your your own eyes, and you uh, you went through all these steps. So remember that I yeah. was there for you. I love you. I want you to be mine. Yeah. yeah, the term "brought you to myself" is a term of the greatest intimacy, mm. because Christ uses that term in the New Testament when he talks about how if we are obedient to God, we, that's he and the Father, will come and make our home with him, with the person who does this. But, Nick, less than six weeks later, they're dancing around a golden calf. Uh, What does God say in Exodus 32, verse 7 to 10? That's so true, uh, Brenton. And just a bit of uh, background, as you just said, after just a few weeks, uh, now God, uh, in his plan, he wanted to give them um, more, even more clearer, if you like, you know, in a written form, you know, all the guidance, the law, and them to be able to follow God, to know exactly what to do. And uh, Moses was invited to go on the mountain and receive from God, uh, as we know, the Ten Commandments. Yes. But here moving, uh, you know, in um, Exodus 32, and I'm starting from verse uh, 7 to read a few passages here. Yes. Thank you. Um, 
And I'm reading from New King James Version. Now, with all the translations, you know, we, you may uh, lose some of the meaning or you may get something extra, you know. But I'm just using this one um, today. And look what it says here. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get down for your people. Notice that your Interesting. people, not my your people. people. Your people. Just, just before God says that I brought you out of Egypt, he uh, says yes. God. But now he, God says to Moses, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have <laughs> corrupted themselves. Yes. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves, and we mentioned here, and molded a calf and worship it and sacrifice to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people. And indeed, it is a stiff-necked people, as you mentioned before. Uh, Will, Will. Will mentioned that. Yes. I think he mentioned the word hard-headed or That's whatever. Correct. Stiff-necked is the same thing, yes. And in verse 10, Brenton and Panel and any, anyone. Now, therefore, let me alone, God says, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great generation, God speaking to Moses. And it's yes. interesting that God is using this language, your people, you brought out of Egypt, because God is giving to Mo- Moses, and later on, we, if we have a, a chance to mention this, how Moses took on himself this and, and even uh, pleaded uh, with God, you know, and, he, uh, and he interceded God. for Israel. He interceded for Israel, didn't he? Absolutely. And that's why it makes sense now here that God says, your people, you know? Yes. Um, Because I would like to draw a lesson here, if I can, just very briefly. The reason God called us to share his love in this world, because we should realize that anybody out in this world, they are our people. We are not going there just uh, uh, somebody to tell because we are in a higher position to tell somebody or come out because you are in a lower position. No, they are our people. If we don't realize that they are our people, we we are not going to do the right thing. We we wouldn't have that motivation Mm -hmm. to go to call out from the darkness of this world, our people, our family. It impresses me the partnership between Moses as Moses talks to God. So God says, you are my people. And here God says, your people, your people. you brought out of Egypt. Yeah, so yeah. there was a partnership in, in, in leading these people. They had broken the covenant. They yes. basically broken the covenant. Yeah. I think that it's, it's, um, it's surprising that so soon after they had seen, witnessed so many miracles in their lives, that they should turn their back on the Lord and say to the calf, which was probably Hathor, the um, the goddess, the cow goddess of, e- yes, of Egypt. Yes, that's, that's right. Um, you know, this is this is the gods that have led you out. This is the God. You know, they'd forgotten. They've turned his their backs on God. And you know, sometimes I think we're very very easily fall into that trap ourselves that um, we can easily forget where where all the goodness comes from and, you know, who is 
our savior and and turn out you know in a split seconds we can actually when things go the wrong way things um unexpected things happen we can turn our back on god and doubt god and doubt his goodness and perhaps lean on our own understanding and our own strength it's just an object lesson for us isn't it mm-hmm. isn't it uh, interesting though that uh, he he says in several places lydia mentioned one of them but he says in another place now I will send my angel ahead of you and you will lead your people into the promised land. He's still disavowing his relationship with Israel as a result of their worshipping the golden calf. It took a while before that relationship was re-established again, but it was re-established again. And in 1 Peter 2, you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament and you come across some of the finest verses, I reckon, in the whole of the New Testament in First Peter 2, 9 and 10. Nick, could you share those with us before we move on to our last question for study today? Absolutely, Brenton. And as you said, a wonderful passage in the Bible. They, uh, they are wonderful. Passages. Very much applying in our life uh, today. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's own special people. And this is the, the punch also here, Brenton, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Interesting here, who yeah. once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's Wonderful interesting that we, this, this relation, again, we talk about the relationship with God. When we are in that relationship, we are part of God's plan and what he's doing. And if we acknowledge that, it's a a privilege and a responsibility at the same time. It's both. It's both a privilege and a responsibility, just like it was with ancient Israel. Will, you had a thought for us on that. Nick read, once you were not a people. That's right. Now you are the people of God. Charles Spurgeon, responding to this text, says, Oh, the dignity with which Christ has put upon the meanest believer. What a high office, and consequently, what a solemn responsibility is ours. I think that sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? Well, uh, coming to our last question for our study today, um, we're looking at, um, again, the term. We've touched on special people. We've looked at... uh, um, Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, and verse 4, which Lydia read to us. Then we've looked at First Peter 2, 9 and 10 that Nick has just shared with us. But we're going back to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, we find some interesting comments made in Deuteronomy 26, 16 to 19. I wonder, Will, if you could uh, read the text and maybe comment on it briefly. Thanks. Certainly. The text reads, The Lord your God commands you this day, to follow these decrees and laws, carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him and that you will keep his decrees, commands and laws, that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession as he has promised and that you are to keep all of his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame and honour high above all the nations he has made and that you will be 
a people holy to the Lord, your God, as he has promised. You know, I think, Brenton, the best way to summarize what I feel about uh, about this promise to the undeserving is a little statement uh, out of a book that we have promoted, Steps to Christ, which says, yes, wonderful book, the yeah. price paid for our redemption, the infinite sacrifice of our heavenly father in giving his son to die for us should give us exalted conceptions of what we may become through Christ. Yes. Uh, You know, through transgression, the sons of man have become subjects of Satan. Uh, Through faith, however, in the atoning sacrifice of Christ, the sons of uh, Abraham or the sons of Adam may become sons of God. By assuming human nature, Christ elevates humanity. So he places us on a higher plane. You know, we were created a little lower than the angels, I believe. One day... Uh, angels will serve us, and we will command angels. Do you know, to make it even, to raise us even more, there's a promise in Revelation 3.21 which says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. I don't know if you can imagine. What a wonderful statement. Sitting on his throne with him? Are you talking about me, old um, weekly (laughs) sinner here? Yes. Yes, he's talking about us, Will. Um, The term uh, set them on high, I did a little bit of research on that. It's interesting that uh, God is often referred to in the Bible as the most high God. Now, setting them on high, actually the verb according to the Hebrew is that we are bearing God's name. Whilst God is called the Most High, setting Israel on high means that they bear his character. They bear his imprimatur, if you will. Their part was to listen to the recital of the covenant. Now, I don't know whether any of us have ever thought how long this would have taken. It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's all the other things that (laughs) allude to it as well. They were to keep and do them. Also, God was very, very specific. When they entered the land of Canaan, they were not to intermarry with the Canaanites. They were not to give their daughters to the sons of those living in the land, and they were not to give their their sons were not to marry the daughters of the land. They were to actually destroy the idols that were there. The result would be similar to Abraham, uh, who was called the friend of God, and through whom all nations on the earth would be blessed. Deuteronomy 28 goes into a lot of detail on this, but that's another study, guys, for another time. We're not going to touch on it to any great degree today. Now, the promise of uh, the Israel of faith, Joe, is found in Galatians 3.29. I wonder if you would uh, just briefly comment on that. Yes, Brenton, uh, you mentioned that God's special people were to bear his name, to be his representatives on the yes, earth. Yes, And and if, if they were indeed his treasured possession, if they were a jewel, if you like, imagine um, reflecting the light, that the beautiful colours that you get out of a diamond yes. as it reflects the light. And I guess it's metaphorical. But here in Galatians 3, I'd like to start from verse 26. And it says, so in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through faith. Yes. For all of you 
you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, God desired this for Israel. You know, there were to be no inequality, racial inequalities, gender inequalities, socioeconomic and social inequalities, because they were all brothers and sisters in Christ. And that overrode everything else. Now, imagine what could have been if they'd been faithful. Yes. What an age of enlightenment. The world would have been ready to welcome the Messiah. However, uh, where they failed, we have been given this privilege because if we belong to Christ, we are then Abraham's seed, not by birth, but spiritual seed, and we are then heirs according to the promise. So we can, it's never too late, we can accomplish what God had originally set, you know, had wanted them to do, to, to shine in a very dark, frightened world. Absolutely. Will, you had a thought for us on that before we um, conclude. Now, the whole thing of adoption into the family of God and the covenant that God makes with us, Brenton, is quite overwhelming, actually. I can't help but think of Prince Marcus von Battenberg. He's descended from Queen Victoria. He's closely related to Prince Philip and Earl Mountbatten, and he lives a very privileged lifestyle. As a royal, he has a team of assistants, including a private jet, uh, security men who follow him around, which is to be expected, his own private jet as he travels around the world. In fact, every time we hear of him, he is in a different country. You know, Prince Marcus also has a tender and a sympathetic heart. After several trips while delivering food and supplies to help refugees in Syria and Afghanistan, personally going there as the prince, despite the dangers of threat of kidnap and the prince uh, of a prince for ransom, he saw two young orphan boys in the camp of Aleppo who had lost their parents in the bombings. You know, right there and then, he, with his diplomatic prowess, took them back to Germany and London with him, fast-tracked adoption, and now young Momo, formerly called Mohammed and Olaf, attend the finest school in London, live in a castle and enjoy their penthouse in the Shard of London with access to Eton College and the finest opportunities anyone could imagine. Then also imagine uh, a a guy called Nick and Tim, two Burmese children to be added to the rescued ones in his care. Now, before and after pictures of them tell a dramatic story of transformation. The way they are now clothed tells a story of really privileged adoption and dramatic change. While what God did for the nation of Israel and us today is so much better than we know what we know as adoption here on earth, it shouldn't be hard for us to realize that our Heavenly Father's design for us is something far beyond what we could ever have imagined for ourselves. I'm glad to be part of this covenant family, Brenton, uh, and listener today. Will, that's a wonderful story, and I think it illustrates, um, but dimly, the privileges that we have as God's children today. We might be tempted to think that it, uh, the relationship with God is a bit of a quid pro quo, this for that. 
God expected them to obey, therefore he blessed them. And this is perhaps how they understood it at the time. However, we know from Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32 that God wanted something far, far more. He wanted such a a relationship that it's it's compared to the husband and wife relationship, a deep kind of sense of um, communion. And it says this, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. It goes from a contractual relationship, if you like. Yes. You do your bit, I'll do my bit too. We are working together. We are. We do naturally. We obey naturally. He has put it in our hearts so that whatever we do, aimed at pleasing him, and it's a natural response to his goodness to us, yeah. rather than God's good to me, therefore I will do this, and it becomes... I think you mentioned the word forensic. I think you've summed that up pretty well. Uh, Lydia, would you share John 14, 23, which is the promise basically that we'll finish our study on for today to a large degree? Yes, John 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. Beautiful, loving uh, invitation and promise. It is. Yes. Nick, there was a comment I wanted you to read just in closing. I wonder if you would just share that with us, and then I'll ask uh, Joe to um, pray for us. Sure. Yes, Brenton, I'm um, I'm reading here a, a statement says that the spirit of bondage is engendered by seeking to live in accordance with legal religion through striving to fulfill the claim of the law in our own strength. That's the spirit of bondage. There is hope for us only as we come under the Abrahamic covenant, which is the covenant of grace by faith in Christ Jesus. The gospel preached to Abraham through which he had hope was the same gospel that is preached to us today, through which we have hope in God. Abraham looked unto Jesus who is also the author and the finisher of our faith. I'd like to invite all our listeners to enter into that covenant with God through grace, because it is, as Lydia said, and as all the panel have said during our study today, it is through grace alone, God's grace. He is waiting to give you that surety. I'm inviting, in fact, I'm pleading with our um, listeners today, don't delay Invite him to place his covenant of grace in your life today. Joe, I wonder if you would close with prayer for us, please. Certainly, Brenton. Father, we know from your word that you only desire what is good for us, that you have plans for each one of us that far exceed our own thoughts and expectations, conceptions, that you long for a time when there is no longer pain and evil in this world. We know that you know the difficulties that we face each day. and are too longing for all things to be restored to as you have intended from the very beginning, that you long for your children to live in harmony, both with you and with each other. Please bring on that day, fulfill your everlasting covenant that you made with your people. We know we are nearly there, even at the door. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, for your participation. It was a great study today. 
And we are looking forward uh, for the next one, which is to love the Lord, your God. I hope that you'll be able to join us next time. Until then, may God richly bless you and have a safe walk with our Lord Jesus Christ.